This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hey guys, welcome to Sculpted. I'm your host Sidan Travli and this episode will be a bit different because we will not only talk about design but also focus upon how to market your design. I feel along with robust design skills, every designer needs the knowledge to market that design as well. And that's why in this special podcast, we will discuss how to build and boost your design business on Instagram. So let me introduce you to our guest of the day, Hadi Bankov. He is a design marketing pro and a very good friend of mine. He owns a highly resourceful page on Instagram with around 150,000 followers, providing valuable information on marketing strategies and tips on design. Welcome to Sculpted Harry. So excited to finally have you here. Thank you so much for the phenomenal, phenomenal introduction. I'm super excited to be bringing value to your audience today. And hopefully by the end of this episode, they will be not only capable of understanding what makes social media tick, but also how to utilize it for their benefit. Just to deep dive into Harry, as a digital marketer, I see a lot of brands and a lot of agencies starting their businesses through Instagram. As in, they are not really uh, getting into different mediums first, but they are starting everything from Instagram itself. So should Instagram be the first choice for designers to share their content and build portfolio on rather than other websites like Behance? If yes, then why? What's, what's your take on that? That's a great, great question for me. There definitely is a variety in the social media channels and not only social media, but digital channels that designers can utilize nowadays. Behance is a phenomenal choice. Dribble is an, another great choice. Pinterest is a super underrated choice, especially if your designers, if your designers are catered to the female audience. Having said that, every single social media platform usually has some downsides. Pinterest has the downsides. One of the downsides of Pinterest is the fact that it's not community focused. It's more of search focused. Having said that, Instagram, on the other hand, because throughout the years it has evolved from being a simple photo sharing app to now being a video, photo, audio uh, sharing application, I believe it has the most amount of resources which will enable designers to not only showcase their talents but also monetize especially with these upcoming monetizational updates to instagram such as for example reels monetization Mm -hmm. so for me definitely instagram is one of the best choices a designer can make having said said that it isn't and it shouldn't be the only choice designers make Designers should always okay. have backup plans such as a Behance page or even their own website with a newsletter attached to it because, again, social media gives you rented space. It gives you rented attention. You rent attention from those social media platforms. You do not own that attention. Whilst with websites such as Behance or your own portfolio website, you literally own that attention and it cannot be taken away from you. So for that reason, I always recommend start slow, pick one specific platform. Instagram is a great choice, but there are others as well. And then from that point onwards, your goal should always be to own attention. That's really a good point to touch upon on the ownership of the content and the ownership of the whole medium. I I totally agree with you that Behance or your own website would be a place where you can totally own it. But as you mentioned that Instagram being a visual 
platform where designers can really, really, you know, showcase their work and grab their attention, right? On that note, what will be the initial steps they must take, you know, to start their design agency or freelance work on Instagram? How how they can reach to people? What are yeah. the crucial initial steps? Yeah. That's a great question. For me, the first main issue which I see with people not being able to create design agencies, not being able to monetize their social media presence is the fact that they do not know who they're speaking to. For example, when I just began my social media presence, I believe 15 months ago, I wanted to make sure I knew exactly who my posts were referencing. So every single time I was creating a post, I actually had even a picture on my desk of a persona which I had created called Jamie. And that persona was the person who I was creating content for. I wasn't creating content for other marketers out there. I wasn't creating content for the people who can become clients of my agency. I was creating content for Jamie. And every single time which in which I was thinking, okay, would this post work for my social media presence? I was thinking, would Jamie appreciate this post? Would Jamie find this post helpful? So for me, the first step would be understanding who you're speaking to. Okay. So basically creating different uh, uh, personas, consumer personalities to target upon. So exactly. do, you, do you just uh, build a one persona or do you have like three to four different target audiences yeah. where you, you know, create posts for them? Should we keep restrict to just one persona or to keep like two to three personas? I like keeping things simple. So starting out with one persona, which is your ideal follower persona, because in the beginning, obviously, before you monetize, you want to grow your following and this growth should be your priority. So I would love keeping things at one persona. Having said that, you wouldn't really be a, a smart business owner if you kept things always simple. So start out simple, start out with one persona, which is your forward persona. And then from that point onwards, when you start picking up momentum and you start growing, you can always bring more personas, a persona for your agency clients, a persona for your digital product clients. So for me, it really is what is the minimum viable solution? In the beginning, that minimal viable solution is having one persona and being super focused on growth. When you already achieved growth, the next step is creating content and creating services for your potential clients. And that's when you want to create the second, the third customer persona. I wouldn't create more than three personas. Right, right. So just to keep your audience more towards uh, filtered and niche and not a very mass oriented content. Correct. So on, on that note, coming to content, I, uh, do you feel that designers should just uh, showcase their projects or work on Instagram or should they also focus on providing tutorials or tips? So while, while generating content, as you said, considering the persona, if there are two personas as such, one is the clients that can be a basic consumer or any other brand owner. So do you feel that uh, the only way to go is to create tutorials or tips because those are the content that really work and you get that engagement and sales yeah. on Instagram, but is it also okay or you can just survive uh, by showcasing your projects or your uh, brand work, for example, logos or your designs? 
At the end of the day, it really depends on what your goals are. If your goals are building a brand which you later can monetize through educational products such as courses, ebooks, etc., then creating content which caters to that audience is a must, meaning you need to create those growth-oriented pieces of content, tutorials, etc. Having said that, if your only goal is creating an agency and bringing clients for that agency, you can create on the portfolio-based page. Now, the question is, is your work, is your portfolio good enough to stand out from the millions of pieces uploaded every single year in the same category? And if the answer is no, if you're not in the one top percent of creative work, Mm -hmm. then creating educational content can be a great way for you to gain attention. Because if you notice on Instagram, the posts which are taken by pages such as yours, by curation pages, which are, let's say, for inspiration, there are the very best posts in that specific industry. The very best typography will be showcased in these pages. Every single other post by every single other page will get forgotten and won't get the attention you're seeking. So for me, if your vision is aligned with creating educational services down the line, Mm-hmm. then definitely go in the educational sphere. And then we can talk about what is the percentage between education, getting that engagement, and then getting that client, client-based content. But if your goal is only for agency, mm-hmm. then you have two choices. Choice number one, if your work is phenomenal and you can showcase it in the appropriate medium for the platform, then showcase your work. You can get away with that. But if your content, if your work isn't in that one top percent, then you'd be better off educating, building trust and authority, and then converting that trust and authority into clients. Right. I, I totally agree on that. For beginners who are have just started their freelancing journey, do you believe that they should uh, also work upon fake projects? For example, considering some some uh, hypothetical brand or yeah. maybe a real brand, and then making something out of that. Do you think that fake projects are really effective in that such, or you should just uh, try to reach brands and work upon that? For me, fake projects are essential. And not only because I have a deep and intimate relationships with them, I actually created my first Instagram page eight years ago with a fake project in mind. But oh, wow. because that enables you to gain experience. Because for me, mastering any subject comes down to two main elements, gaining knowledge. This can be gained through podcasts such as this one, videos, books, etc. And then a gaining experience, which for me is a bit more crucial because you can always read and i actually have an example from my personal story Uh, i actually read 100 books in one year during my early earlier development and from that one year in the beginning of the year before i read 100 books and at the end of the year after i read 100 books i was making the same income i was in the exact same situation that I was. So books didn't actually help me do anything. Having said that next year, I didn't read as much, but I started implementing and then my income really skyrocketed. The amounts of clients my agency has skyrocketed. I as a person developed 
So for me, gaining knowledge is fine, but unless you implement it, it's useless. So that's where I see fake projects come into place. After you spend all the time gaining knowledge, you need to start implementing it. And it's not always easy getting your first client. That's why working on something which you're passionate about, creating your own fake project can be a phenomenal way to gain experience, which is needed to then transition into client work. So for me, yes, fake projects can be phenomenal, especially if you utilize them in the right way. Right. That, that's a very logical point, Harry. So coming back to the uh, Instagram strategies and content, what, what do you feel is the ideal frequency of posting on Instagram? Yeah, the ideal frequency is the sustainable frequency. If you can post once a day, go for once a day. If you can post two times a day, go for two times a day. As long as you can bring content in a sustainable rate and mm -hmm. content which can be appreciated by your audience. Right now, I'd say that the, if you want to grow as fast as possible, you'd have to go for once per day. Having said that, there are a lot of examples of accounts which are growing just as fast, but they're posting, let's say, three times per week. And okay. then at the other spectrum, there are accounts which are posting three times per day, but they're growing slower than I am. So for me, I believe a nice balance, a nice goal for people to have is posting once per day, but okay. you have to be mindful of your own schedule. Everyone has a different program. Not everybody can make it a priority to post once per day on their social media presence. So go for sustainable. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how fast you grow in the next 30 days. What matters is how far you can go in the next 300 days. For me, sustainable growth, growth should be above anything else. Okay. So uh, sustainable as in you mean, for example, if I'm posting thrice a week, then every week I, I have to post three pieces of content anyhow. That, that's how I need to be consistent, like not posting every day, but if I'm posting three posts per week, then that should be it. Every, every week I should post three. Exactly. Exactly. Sustainable is something which you can envision yourself doing, not 30 days, because a lot of people, especially when it comes down to Instagram, they want fast results. While right. for me, it isn't all about, again, how fast you can grow, but how far you can go. Because I've had plenty of my close friends, unfortunately, quit Instagram after they've gained a lot of success, after they've put a lot of work, because it wasn't sustainable for them. So based on that experience, I have came to the conclusion that it's fine if you get 10,000 followers in 30, uh, 30 days, but what's even better is if in 300 days, you can get not only followers, but clients, if not, uh, if not only clients, but connections, if not only connections, but a real world impact. So for me, it's all about how can you make everything inside of your social media presence as sustainable as it can possibly be. Okay. Okay. So uh, considering your page, I mean, I see all of your posts are so amazing and so, so informative. So uh, do you, do you have something in mind as in, uh, whatever post you share across your page needs to have that hundred percent quality, or do you also believe that sometime quantity can work or, or there should be some balance in between? Yeah. So for me, quality is really subjective. So even if I'm happy with the post, which I'm posting, other people might not find it helpful. And it actually happened to me the other day. I made the post, which was 
copy my Instagram story strategy. Oh, and yes. then one, one person said, well, this post is misleading. I thought that you were sharing all of your secrets. And I said, yes, didn't I share all of my secrets in regards to my story strategy? And he said, yes, but at the end you said that you also have a book in which you're sharing more details. And then I was like, well, yes, I do have a book. And yes, I do have more to tell than these 10 slides in this carousel. But does this make this carousel less valuable? And I, this just reaffirmed my point, which is quality is really subjective. Even though that I felt that this post was really good and it brought a lot of value, obviously to that person, it didn't. So yeah. for me, it is all about finding the right balance, especially in the beginning, because a lot of our listeners today might be just starting out and quality might be something which for them isn't really clear. So what I recommend is having a mixed approach having that quantity which enables you to understand what quality really means for your audience or at least for a larger percentage of your audience. So that's why I do recommend posting once per day, if possible, if it doesn't lead to burnout because that will enable you to build habits as a creator easier. And then once you have that that habit formed, once you understand what quality content means, then you can go back to the point in which you say, okay, let me post quality. Let me make sure I improve my quality. Let me bring bigger projects and take a step back from quantity. Okay. When you mentioned that quality is really subjective and I totally believe on it, but where I feel beginners or the startups really get confused about is that do they need to make content to impress or to express? This yeah. is where they actually get confused because many of, uh, many of the pages I see, they are just trying to impress and that's where they are losing their authenticity because they are just trying to uh, adapt someone else's content or try what's best working on, uh, on that platform. But this is where they are losing their orig- originality and authenticity. Yeah. yeah. So what's, what's your take on that? Do, do you, do you make content to impress or to express? That's that's a phenomenal point of view. And again, for me and my point of view on life is black and white will always exist. But for me, gray is the place to be. So yes, people do create a lot of content based on the need to express themselves. And these people are brave and they're authentic, but sometimes that can lead into them not being seen by the world. And then on the other spectrum, there might be people who are creating content only to impress and they're copying trends and they're losing their authenticity, but they're getting a lot of attention in the process. So for me, it's all about the balance. It's the balance between expressiveness, experimenting with different things, with different formats, and the ability to then find your own voice and the ability to, on the other hand, understand what works on a given platform, understand what will bring you that attention that will showcase your profile to the people that matter to you. So again, I, I prefer being in the grayish areas, not necessarily saying I create all of my content to express my point of view, but I do consider myself a brave social media marketer and whatever I feel like most people wouldn't share, I want to share that. But on the other hand, you need to understand that social media is at the end of the day, an attention game. And you need to win that attention and you cannot afford only to 
do what you believe is right in your own mind and experiment and express yourself because yes you might hit a nerve and yes you might be some kind of genius which can produce content that always resonates and can always be original but most people most cases aren't like that so i try to combine expressiveness and impressing others got it okay so there's there's always needs to be some balance in whatever you yeah. do harry this this question is for all the all the starter audience all the beginner freelancers that when you are starting with your instagram do you do you need to have a professional approach or a casual or natural approach what i mean is that for example when i see your account you you have your personal touch up on it your profile id your profile photo is your photo right but many accounts also have a logo created of them yeah. or they don't use their uh, initial names with some adjective or something else so do you yeah. think that uh, a personal touch is necessary in whatever do you do or you can be a totally professional or yeah. uh, not professional but very formal approach yeah so it really depends on what your goals are for me the decision between a personal brand and a corporate brand comes down to your vision for the future I personally chose the personal approach, the personal brand, because my goals are aligned not only with growing my agency, but at the same time, growing as a thought leader in my industry. So for me, one of my passions is public speaking. And thus, because I want to become a keynote speaker, I cannot be behind the logo. I have to showcase myself, my voice, etc. Whilst on the other hand, there might be people who just want to grow their agencies and thus they do not need that personal approach. Having said that, even from that point of view, I do recommend to create a personal brand because in 2021, honestly, everyone has a personality, <laughs> everyone has that unique voice and everyone has, which is the most beautiful thing of all, the right to share it with the world. So for yes. me... Creating a personal brand will enable you to connect with others easier because it's way easier to connect with Sid and not design perspective. <laughs> I agree. Uh, 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 and on the other hand, you can use that attention and you can funnel that attention into your corporate brand later on. But again, it really depends on what your vision is. If you do not plan on showcasing your face, never and you want to uh, uh, stay behind the scenes that's totally fine that can work for you you just have to have the understanding that it would be a different relationship with your audience so for me it's up to the uh, the vision but if you are definitely not in the far right spectrum in which you do not want to show yourself then you should definitely give creating a personal brand a go because you'll be surprised by the results Okay. Okay. And, and I feel humanizing any brand certainly helps in many ways. Definitely. Definitely. It's always better to connect to people by some human touch. So Harry, there's, there's so much confusion about hashtags, right? And many of us feel that hashtag is the only way to, you know, optimize your reach. But yeah. uh, I know that there are many other ways too, because just hashtags can't be the reason, you know, you can have very good reach. So just if you can share us some other ways than hashtags to reach, you know, mass audience. Yeah, that's a great question. I see hashtags more of 
the cherry on top of a really nice cake. So for me, growing on social media comes down to diversifying your traffic sources. What does this mean? Well, quite simply, finding the variety of ways which can work for your profile in order to get you traffic. And one of these ways, the first one which comes to mind when we are having this conversation specifically with you is curation pages. They can be phenomenal for getting traffic to your page. For example, one of my clients, Jamie, he recently did a guest post in your curation page. Yes. And from that guest post alone, you gained 13,000 likes on that post. Jamie gained a couple hundred followers. And he was able in just 10 days to get his page from 800 followers to 5,000 followers. So curation pages, definitely phenomenal way to get more traffic. Another way which is kind of related is collaborations. So you can collaborate with people in your industry, lives, live collaborations. I've gained probably close to 2,000 2000 followers in a single week only from lives. I had a live with Neil Patel. I had a live with Chris Doe. That brought me a lot of followers. Then guest posts for other accounts. You can also create two-way posts. So you create a post, the other person creates a post on your profile. So collaborations can also be a phenomenal way to gain traffic. And then there are ways such as the export page, such as ads, such as uh, cross-platform promotion. These ways can be phenomenal, but they're outside of your control. So you cannot control if Instagram is going to be promoting you on the export page. You cannot control exactly how much your cost per click would be on, let's say, your ads. You cannot control how many people who see your posts on other social media platforms will come and see your Instagram page. But the one thing which is entirely up to your control when it comes down to bringing in more traffic on Instagram is engagement. And for me, this is pivotal because just as you said previously, humanizing is really the key on social media because social media is called social for a reason. And if you'd like to gain more attention, if you'd like to gain more engagement on your social media presence, then you first need to give the kind of engagement you'd like to receive. So for me, we did mention a couple curation pages, collaborations, ads, cross-platform promotion, export page. But the favorite one which I have is engagement. Engagement always helps. So what are your three best you know, tips for any engagement strategy? The first tip which I have, which a lot of people unfortunately do not get is that you cannot engage for the sake of engagement. So if you plan on leaving comments such as great posts or fire emojis, forget about it. You're just wasting your time. The engagement should really be authentic. You should really utilize engagement as a billboard for your business or your social media account to get noticed by others, to stimulate curiosity. And then from that curiosity, to go on your profile. So for me, the first tip is make sure you do not engage for the sake of engagement, but you are authentic. The second thing, tip which I have is making sure that you understand what is the correct methodology for engagement, especially on Instagram. You can engage in a couple of different ways. You can engage with warm leads, meaning people who already follow your account. So you can engage with them in order to build deeper relationships. And then you can engage with cold 
code followers, meaning people who haven't heard of your profile, but can become a potential follower of yours. So understanding the differences in engagement is crucial. And then lastly, understanding who to engage with. This goes back to my first step, which I mentioned in this episode, which was identifying your customer persona, but understanding where your customer persona lives on that specific social media platform. So for example, whose accounts have your customer persona can be a phenomenal way for you to get clarity on who you need to engage with. Because the number one issue which I see with people is that they think engagement is super boring because it's hard and engagement truly can be difficult to implement daily. But when you have a routine, routine consisting of knowing who to engage with, knowing how to engage, knowing how much time to spend on engagement, when you get that clarity and you build that routine, engagement becomes fun and easy. And that's definitely something which I know a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Coming back to uh, persona, just to, you know, deep dive on this, this strategy, like what, what factors should I consider while creating a persona? Should it be uh, the psychographics or demographics? Yeah. What, what exactly are the parameters while creating a persona? So because we are in the context of social media marketing, of course, the persona will vary based on its purpose. But strictly for social media, I say, where does this persona spend the majority of its time in terms of profiles? So you can list out five to 10 of your competitors, which your persona frequently visits. Then what are the biggest issues that this persona is facing and what are the solutions that they're seeking? So for example, that persona might be facing an issue with monetizing their audience. That can be one pure of your content. Another issue might be that this person is struggling to grow their audience. That can be another pure of your content. And then what are the mediums that they're seeking in terms of resolving those problems would basically mean, do these people learn more through visuals? Do these people learn more through video? Do these people learn more by written communication? What's their preferred content format? And then you can start seeing how this person, how this information which you just gathered can start forming your social media strategy. The issues that these people have can become your content topics. The formats that these people prefer for communication can be the formats which you utilize for your content. So for me, it comes down to understanding where these people live, understanding what issues do these people have and understanding what's their preferred communication method. And of course, you can dive really deeply in the psychographic information, the demographic information, these always help. But Mm -hmm. these basic three specters that I mentioned for me are the, the most helpful. Right. So the reason I asked you geographics is that recently I posted one of your friends, uh, Jamie's post. And many, many of my followers who are from India were commenting on that saying, you know, these strategies are not really uh, so effective on an Indian scenario. Do you need to, you know, consider persona locally? For example, if I'm starting in India, should I consider Indian personas in the initial phase and then globally? Or how how does it work? 
because it's always better to create a brand in the beginning and never change it ever again when it comes down to at least not having the necessity to change it, I recommend going for the global audience as soon as possible because it's way more difficult to rebrand than it is to brand initially. So for me, I would go for the global audience from the beginning. And now in terms of the argument that these people gave, this is another topic which um, is uh, something which people need to realize that biases exist and most of, of our thoughts are biased. Right. So just because you think that in India the situation is like this and the rest of the world, because Jamie's Western, uh, he uh, he isn't right in India. There are no clients who are willing to pay more. That doesn't mean that it's true. And I've right. had even Seema uh, is another one of my phenomenal clients, which grew to more than 50,000 followers in the branding industry. And she is based in India. But because she's able to position herself as an expert, she has had Indian clients willing to pay thousands of dollars per month. So it really does come to realizing that we are biased by nature. People mm-hmm. are biased. And looking for alternatives is uh, alternative point of view it's, views is probably the, the best thing that one can do in order to educate himself and improve. So this is just a side note, but they couldn't help but mention because I know a lot of my audience has biases, not only people from India, but people from the whole world, including myself, have biases. But these biases are quite often limiting beliefs. So when you mentioned, uh, you know, you have to brand yourself. And so just to ask you a very basic question, like what are that three key factors while you brand yourself? Well, Instagram is a visual platform, so obviously your visual identity plays a really big role. Now, inside of this visual identity, it it doesn't only mean the colors you choose, but the fonts you use, the textures you use, the shapes you use, the type of imagery you utilize. So the visual identity is the number one factor for Instagram in specific. Then tone of voice, how you extrapolate yourself, how you speak, how you choose the wording based on your audience, based on your specific goals is another big one and then lastly i'd say how you optimize every single touch point when it comes down to visual identity tone of voice but also how you choose the the formats which make the most sense for your specific brand what are the different collaborations which you form with different companies you form because when it comes down to branding, it isn't only what you say it is, but it's what your audience see and hear as well. Right. And because the partnerships you form also form you as a person and you as a brand, it really makes sense for you to plan out everything accordingly. So visual identity, first one, tone of voice, second one, and then keeping everything in sync from partnership to, to the way you explain yourself formats you choose etc plays a really big role okay okay so while branding yourself you know there there are already so many people in the game especially uh, when it comes to designers there are a lot of designers already on instagram sharing really really good content 
so for someone who is just starting how how can you be distinct distinct in not just visual identity as in uh, you can just change your brand colors and can yeah. be distinct itself but how can you be really distinct and stand out in your proposition yeah Well, in the beginning, you most likely won't. That's the sad reality. I wasn't unique <laughs> when I started. Most people aren't unique when they started. Right. Uh, in fact, I would say that if you are unique uh, by the time you start, you most likely have started too late because it's super crucial to get going and not fall a victim of paralysis of analysis because this is something which can basically cost you your whole career before even starting. For example, I actually created my profile, Marketing Harry, in October of 2019. Ooh. Having said that, from October to March, I didn't do anything other than create a profile picture and procrastinate. So for <laughs> me, it really is crucial to understand that from the start, you won't be perfect. You won't be unique. Your content might not be the best, but the worst thing that you can do is destroy your chances and burn your bridge before even starting. So I would definitely recommend to people to not be afraid to experiment, to copy what already works and take their own approach. Listen to what people are saying about them in the real world and then amplify it on social media. Do a study of 10 people in their life and Ask them what are the three characteristics that they would use to describe them. Okay. So this is super helpful for personal brand. And let's say people would describe me as bold. People would describe me as honest. And then people would describe me as trustworthy. So then I can take these characteristics and I can amplify them in my social media presence, making sure that I always share honest content, making sure that the tone of voice, which I utilize is trustworthy. And this is actually the same way, which I created my personal brand, the brave social media marketing personal brand. My full name is Fabren, and that means bravery in my native language. Oh, and from that point onwards, from that word bravery, I took it upon myself and I utilized it in my tone of voice. So I don't say I help you with Instagram. I say I help you dominate Instagram. So I utilize that brave, that bold keyword. I utilize the red color because bravery is associated with boldness and boldness is associated with red color. I utilize textures. I utilize dark imagery. Everything from that one characteristic which people describe me as. So again, it comes down to listening to what others have to say about you, experimenting and dabbling with what already works, merging these two worlds together, and then amplifying them once you find out your unique selling proposition, which can happen at day one, which can happen at day 30, which can happen at day 300. Got it. Yeah, that, that's true. I feel that uh, you can only find your personality in this online world or your proposition when you are into the game and you always find many things when you are into the process of building exactly. yourself. Exactly. So branding is not just one thing that you do in the initial stage, but it's like all those small steps you take in building your brand, which is a total long-term process, I feel. Definitely.
as a designer you can for sure you know you can build your brand and you can gain clients but from clients or leads what are those different ways you can monetize your page yeah that's a great question i create a three step funnel mm-hmm. top of the funnel called tofu middle of the funnel called mofu and then bottom of the funnel called bofu so you can create different monetizational strategies for the different places in the funnel so for example top of the funnel can have the wider so if you imagine the funnel is widest at the top and it's uh, narrowest at the bottom so at the top the offers for the most generic audience can be something which is cheap such as an ebook okay then in the middle of the funnel you can have alternative monetizational ways such as coaching and then later on you can have your clients which are at the bottom of the funnel so creating a funnel creating different services at different price points and diversifying your income is key and the funnel which i just said with an ebook into coaching into clients is the same funnel which i utilize myself got it okay that that really makes many things clear so uh, you must have 100% read about this that uh, there's this new feature where you can hide likes on instagram yeah and which not really completely changes the game but uh, many of us really feel you know that uh, people actually see how many likes you get on your page how many followers do you have but uh, what's what's the real ma- matrix you need to focus on while creating a content i know that's engagement but when it comes to engagement what what should i consider should it yeah. be comments saves or shares yeah that's a great question i actually don't really care about engagement that much i care about ratios so what's the ratio between saves and people i freeze so what's the ratio between likes and people who have seen my content because it doesn't really matter if you get 10000 saves from 1 million people who have seen that post what would matter is if you get 10000 saves from let's say 20000 people who have seen your post that would mean that 50% of people actually found this valuable and saved it so for me a raw data such as engagement doesn't really matter until you put it into context so i always look at ratios so ratios reach to likes and ratios followers to profile visits these are the two metrics that people have to keep in mind when they're creating content and is reels the best option to get highest reach to be honest reels definitely were the best way to get attention five to six months ago when they were released right now reels are like lottery tickets some reels will do really well others will underperform so for me it's all about having the right balance reels can be phenomenal but if you're posting reels you have to be mindful that let's say 50 percent of the times or even more nowadays your reels will underperform your single images and your carousels so you have to know how to supplement your strategy effectively. So for example, right now I'm still posting reels every three days or so, but when a reel of mine underperforms, I have another post ready in order to basically say, okay, this, uh, this post didn't do that well, it won't get me that much attention, but I will be doing another post today. That way I will basically make up for that loss of earlier. So for me, it comes down to understanding that reels are great but they're great only a small portion of the time and with more and more creators creating reels that 
portion of the time in which reels are really good will decrease. So you have to have a, a balanced strategy. Reels, single images, which can get you hashtag both. Then carousels, which are phenomenal for explore page. And then I would also utilize a lot of lives because that can bring you more attention as well, especially if you collaborate with others. Okay. And does stories also help? Stories, they help for your community management, not for your community building. So if you have a community, you can really pay a lot of attention to your stories and making sure you nurture your community through these stories. But for building your community in the first place, unless you do story takeovers for other accounts, they're, they're definitely not something you should be prioritizing. Okay. So coming to the last question, Harry, what's that one message you want to give to all those startups or freelancers out there who are just starting their Instagram account? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, as the brave social media marketer, the most important thing is to be brave. Be brave, don't compare it to others. Be brave, be patient. Be brave and understand that at the end of the day, Social media is a long-term game. It doesn't matter if you gain 10,000 followers in one day, because at the other day, you might lose these people. The most important thing is to make sure you do things in a sustainable way. Be authentic. Don't lie to yourself. That means to be brave in my eyes. And then from that point onwards, the more you are able to nurture and give value to others unconditionally without expectations that you're going to be making a lot of money, the more money you're going to be making in return. So again, for me, <laughs> everything comes down to bravery and making sure that you are the bravest version of yourself. Wow, that, that's really impactful, Harry. Thank you so much for such an insightful talk. And it was really great to have you on Sculpit. And I'm sure, for sure, our listeners will find this extremely informative and use this information to do well for themselves. So thank you. Thank you for the phenomenal questions. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have liked today's episode, do comment your feedback and rate us on Apple Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe Sculpted, the design podcast on Epilogue website or wherever you get your podcasts from so that you get notified about our upcoming episodes. Also, check out our Instagram handle, Sculpted Podcast. I shall catch up with you on our next episode. Until then, take care and keep designing.